Welcome to SheBreeze Soul Stories, From Triumph to Transformation, a new women's movement and podcast. I am your host, Jen Galbrand, and I'm here with today's co-host, Beth Knaus. Hi. Hi, Beth. It's so good to have you on the show today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here co-hosting with you. Oh, we're going to have fun. And our first storyteller with us today is Telma Sullivan, and her story is entitled, My Journey Through Infertility and Adoption. It's a personal reflection on acceptance and evolution to becoming a parent. I'm so honored to have her sitting in the studio with us today. Hello, Thank Telma. you so much. Hi, Jen. Hi, Beth. Thank hey, you so Telma. much for having me. So excited yeah, um, would you to like be part to... of this project. Oh, yeah. well, we're, we're honored that you're a part of the project and the book, and, and your story is so compelling and meaningful. So I think we'd like to start by just inviting you to share some excerpts of your story, My Journey Through Infertility and Adoption. Sure. Thank you. I remember thinking what an irony that some young women try so hard not to get pregnant, and when they want to start a family, they find they can't conceive. That was me. Timing is everything, but sometimes we need more than time. We reach out to a specialist, and we were put under the care of a fertility expert. A door opened into a world that seemed to provide magical solutions. The failed results were starting to put a dent in my emotional state. I felt that my body was broken. It was not responding to the treatments. It was behaving as an older body, producing embryos of inferior quality, the doctor had mentioned. It was hard to accept those statements. I felt young and full of life and dreams. My husband's test results were normal. It was me who had the infertility issue. I internalized the experience as if our challenge was my fault. He could have had children with someone else. I was navigating with my heart, trying not to compare myself to other women's journeys into motherhood. Mine was my own. That same weekend, I was invited to attend a baby shower. During the period I was doing fertility treatment, it seemed that everyone around me was having babies. I was not in the mood to attend any party, never mind a baby's arrival celebration. The mother-to-be was a friend who did not know my struggle. I felt guilty for not showing up, for not being able to support and celebrate her. My heart was broken, and I believed my body was too. I had purchased some baby outfits and toys to send to her. While I was wrapping them, I kept a onesie and a tiny white bear for my child for the one, for the two I had lost. That night, I fell asleep sobbing, holding the bear close to my heart. We knew we wanted to have more than one child, and we were told that going through the adoption process more than once was difficult. It was mentioned that many siblings groups were never adopted since they are considered hard to place. Most people want one child at a time. We decided to apply for a sibling group under the age of four. This is the moment when you brace yourself, when you ask the universe to match you with whoever is meant to be in your life. Two months later, we were introduced by photos and documents to 18-month-old twins, a brother and sister. This is when you question yourself if you can embrace them and if they will do the same with you. We said yes. Then we consider names. I started thinking about clothes and how long it would take to meet them. 
A few weeks went by. Then we received a phone call. Unfortunately, due to a mistake, the twins were assigned to another couple who accepted them before you did. What? My heart was bleeding. This felt like another miscarriage, only more real, more wrong. There is nothing we can do, said the adoption representative. I felt like answering, don't worry, I've dealt with unexplainable outcomes before. I couldn't get the twins out of my mind. I wanted to know where they were going. I still remember them from the pictures. They are adults now, and I wonder how their life turned out. They could be my neighbors. The world is small. We have a tendency to internalize failure, like something is wrong with us. I did that, but fortunately, I did not stop there. I've been a student of life, leading with an open mind, asking myself, why not? Some days it's easier than others. When I work on the progress to get to the other side, I keep finding the doors. Wow. So, of course, you know, you're my very dear friend. So that touches me in many ways as well as somebody who's experienced similar losses and challenges. So I just applaud you for your bravery in not only writing your story, but sharing it with, with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. The thing for me on the other side of it, and not having any experience like this at all, is in my mind it relates to like going through a divorce. So when I went through my divorce, there are all these emotions and ups and downs. But everybody else who's in the game, it's business for them. Mm. So when you talked about what it was like to go um, and get inseminated um, and the just what it was like to be with the nurse and to be on the cold table and the way she moved and where was your husband and what was happening over there and just all of these things that were matter of fact for them. It's like really hits me just like that disconnect. Oh, totally. Mm. How did you keep that out of your mind or out of your way while you were going through the process? Well, such a good question. Yeah, I, I think that um, when you are um, faced with the unexpected, um, first you go into shock. Mm, indeed. Um, and then other emotions develop. You feel, you know, sad and you feel the pain. You're shocked. Um, you're frustrated. And then there is a moment, and, and this is key, right? That moment can take um, takes time, and and it varies according to the individual. When you have to make a decision, how you're going to move forward, because the future you imagine is not there. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to create another future in that present moment, mm -hmm. um, and then you move forward. And in that moment, I I. Every time I went to an appointment, I didn't know what to expect. Mm. So there was some sort of anticipation, but you can't really prepare. Um, and you stay focused on yourself mm -hmm. and the outcome that you hope to um, to achieve. To um, but. At the same time, you're a human, right? So you start noticing how you are one of many. 
Mm. You sit in a waiting room and you're one of many. Mm. Um, you're yet, not alone. Yet your experience is unique and you're hoping for this amazing gift. Mm. That's, a, I think, a great point that you're there, you know, in the waiting room. And if you hold back and you don't go and get the medical support for something like this, you're alone. So you don't know how many other people are doing it. And then you realize you're just part of a group. Like any other challenge, there's other people that are going through it as well. Oh, definitely. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that um, you know, your statement of being alone resonates so much with me um, because it is clear to me that we are alone in our own experience. So in this case, for example, um, you know, just reading the story, my husband reading the story, um, he was moved by it. And if, to me, it was how clear is even though you move together through the process together, each individual experience such unique. And in the case of women, we our bodies are subject to, you know, all the treatments and that, that um, you know, your husband sometimes is not there in the room and have no idea of knowing. Um, but also in this case, for example, my uh, my children reading the story, um, you know, they found details and they really learn. And I've always been very open um, about both journeys with them. But sometimes we we forget things or we neglect to say things. And when they read it, um, they really read it with a lot of empathy and they found details about their own journey, right? Because, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that could happen to any reader. That's why we write, because we want to find other people and, I guess hope that they don't feel alone. I want to pick uh, pick up on that concept because Beth and I were talking earlier before the show about, you know, we all know that how therapeutic it is to write, write to journal, to tell our stories to ourselves out, you know, and write them and, and that it's a very healing sort of process. And, and we were talking about what's different about what we've done and what we are doing here is we're encouraging people not only to write the story and publish it, but to get up and declare it, to read it, to share it. Um, we've done readings at the center. We're doing this kind of a show because I think the, there's this something super transformational when you actually share what you went through to heal yourself. But I think to your point, it's a sort of catalyst for connection with other people and, and communication and community because suddenly all these other people who have experienced this but have been afraid to share it don't feel alone. And even though their experiences are unique, they still feel that sense of connection, that somebody else knows what mm. I went through to some degree mm. and that I'm not the only one and that I'm not broken and I don't need mm. to be fixed and that this <clears throat> is part of my human experience. But... I, I do feel that there's something really um, powerful about the act of the live storytelling, sharing our, our truths in this way. 
because I just think it takes it to a whole other level. I don't know how you guys yeah. experienced that yourselves through this project. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But, you know, I just I think it's a, like a, a just a completely different um, aspect of the journey of telling stories. Um. Well, I think that, um, you know, writing is a medium that um, resonates with me. Um, I'm a very reflective person, um, and so it allows me the time to think about things, um, to write it, rewrite it, edit. Um, so it is, it is effective for me. Oh, yes. Um, and as a writer... Um, you know, we spend time thinking about our own writing. What are we going to say and how are we going to say it? And that's where the creative process comes in, which is great. But lately I've been thinking about writing from a reader's perspective. And I was thinking how we've all experienced reading a story and um, identifying with the character or, um, you know, the language the character uses, the behavior of the character, their circumstances. It could be any of that or all of that. Um, and we feel that they are talking to us mm. or they are speaking, they are giving us voice. Yeah. And so um, if you connect the, in the moment as a, as a writer, you write, you don't know who's gonna read you. Even if you have an identified audience, yet you don't know all the individuals that are gonna find you. So you put your message out there. And I think that in the moment that your writing finds a reader, you start going together. You are yeah. almost found like a community. Mm. And you are reflecting together, you are um, healing, you're learning together. Yeah. And that that's connection what this, and community. Yeah, it's, that's it's, what this project um, absolutely. I think is about. I do too. And, and we can take it so much further than a book mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. in terms of how we interact and, and really listen and learn to one, mm. to one, you know, listen to one another and learn more about each other and what what has shaped us to be mm. who we are today. I think yeah. it's, it's really powerful stuff. Mm. Yeah, sure. One of the things I admired in your story, Telma, <clears throat> because, you know, over time we all know people who go through these types of situations, is that you did have some sort of boundaries of like, this is only going to happen this many times. We're not going to go through this until it works or anything like that because mm. I see that that can be – it's one time is taxing. So people who do it again and again can be super taxing, but they so want it that I guess they don't realize how depleting it is when you get to a certain point and keep going. And also I wrote down this word, you know, flexibility. Like you really got clear at some point where you were like, you know what? I want to be a parent, and that's more important to me than the way that I get there. Oh, yeah. And I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it, you do. You get to that place where you remember yeah. your, whole, your whole intention. It's mm -hmm. not the process. It's the end result. And I thought that was great because I know that some people are like, I must mm. carry my own child or, yeah. you know, I must have a successful infertility treatment and 
And you were like, no, eye on the prize. And I just thought that that was so strong. And Thank you. Thank you, Beth. That's, um, I appreciate that. Um, I'm curious, did you have any I, fears or reservations about opening up in this way by telling the story? And if so, how did you kind of work through that process? Because, we're, you know, yeah. this process of revealing parts of ourselves for the first mm. time to a public audience is a yeah. big deal. Yeah, I always, I was always very open um, to talk about infertility and adoption. Of course, in the moment, I felt shame. Mm. I felt that, like I said in the story, my body was broken. Um, and but I, I guess I, um, you know, I, I worked through that. But I never really thought that I would write about it. And so, in the moment when the project opened up, and I was trying to decide what I would write about. This was one of the stories. And I asked myself, am I ready to write about this mm. and to put it in writing out there? Mm. And I started, I said, I'm going to try to write and see what happens to me. And once I started, it was it was just like confirm the decision. Yes, this was a story that I needed to write about. And mm. I guess I needed still, there's still part of some reflection and healing that needs to happen and that um happen and um yeah i'm now i'm i'm happy i did <laughs> good yeah. well, we're glad that yeah i mean it's super empowering right yeah you just it's we talk about this it's this sort of release of all that sh- shame is behind all sure. of our fear right mm. of not belonging of of being misjudged so we hold all this stuff mm. inside but when you released it mm. both by writing it and by speaking it 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 just feels lighter and Mm. less of a burden right because Mm -hmm. now it's out there and and especially when you start receiving the feedback from other people who have experienced similar stories it's just it it reminds you of the why behind Mm -hmm. the decision well reading the other stories i'm so um I was impacted by all the stories because they're so different and they address so many different um, transformations. Um, and so that's, um, it's been really wonderful to be part of this this project, um, just to, to know that um, people go through all sorts of experiences that you have no idea Oh, so true. Um, and, and mm. you know, we don't we don't need to experience everything. I guess we're <laughs> we are faced with some amount of experiences, yeah. and others. It's okay for us to mm-hmm. learn through uh, a third party. <laughs> that, yeah, that's so interesting. Just for our for our listeners who may not know this, everyone who was a part of our initial anthology knew one another in at some level because we're part of this Shebreeze community. Mm. But what was so remarkable, I think, for everyone is how little we all really knew about one another until we read one another's stories mm. or heard each other sharing our our stories. You just became you, – you, be, you – how do I want to say? You get a whole just different understanding of somebody that you think you knew. Mm. You know, in this social setting, yeah, and and it creates just again. I keep saying empathy, but it does it. You 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 create this compassion and this empathy that may not have been there had you not learned 
about this person's experiences. Mm. And that's, you know, I for me, that was a big part of this process, uh, not only writing my story, but then encouraging everyone else to do this. Yes. It was that sort of um, aha moment that, wow, look how little we actually do know about people we consider our friends in our circle, right. in our community. And yeah, it was that part was pretty inspiring, I think, for everyone who was involved. And and maybe a little bit of a a surprise mm. to to some of us. I do you guys so. agree? I do agree. Yeah. I do agree. So Telma, I'm wondering now how you feel on the other side. Have people approached you and said anything to you after reading it or being at the reading that we held and you read it out loud? You know, what kind of response did you get and how did you feel about those? Um, yeah, I've had all sort of positive um, responses to it. One from um, just strictly to the story of um, just saying, oh, how great, you know, that you participated in this project and you wrote about it. Um, some people say, oh, I didn't know all the details. Uh, I hope that at that moment I had, um, you know, I was supportive or... Um, and then people asking, like, questions. They wanted to know more. Um, so, and then, again, like I said, you know, my children, um, they they found, they, you know, they read the story with great empathy. And they were very um, proud <laughs> yes. that I had found my voice to tell it. Mm, um, love, but I they also that. found details um, that helped make sense of their own story. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, what I take away is uh, first, what an honor it's been to participate and with um, women leaders such as you, Jen, who has a vision and I knew that the, it was going to be beautiful. Um, Beth, your guidance in editing and then um, Robin um, with the photography capturing all of us and uh, robbing designing um, the book um, I take away that um, telling the story is important to to be able to transform to continue to evolve um, to help other people do the same um, I find confirmation that the decisions that I made, again, were aligned with my values, mm -hmm. and that writing is such a part of my journey, yes. um, too. And you're such um, a beautiful writer. Mm. Oh, I can't wait for you all to pick up the book and read all of the stories, but Telma and, I mean, Telma and Beth, um, absolutely brilliant writers, and um, you really just feel everything come right off the pages. Thank you. Yeah, Thank it's, you. it's very beautifully executed, for sure. Wow. So, well, we are so grateful to you. Well, what would you? One more question. What would you say to somebody who might be listening to the show today, who who is considering accepting our invitation to to join us on this truth telling adventure, to share their story, and to become raw and vulnerable and move through this process with us? I would um, tell them not to hesitate. Um, and to just engage in the conversation of what writing uh, a chapter from another book like this would look like and just have questions and get your answers. 
and just open a page and start writing. Wonderful. Mm. And yeah. then you'll find your answers. It's true, right? Yeah. If you just, just, if you just, like you said, you just sat down and started to see what would flow. And when, when it feels right, it, it, it just works. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Just yeah. You just know. know. And Absolutely. I will also said you're in great hands. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, we, we got you. We, we'll, we'll hold that space. Well, we are so honored to have you on the show today. Um, please, everybody, pick up a copy of the Shebri Soul Stories. It's available on Amazon. Um, listen to other episodes of our podcast because we have so many beautiful women sharing their stories and using their voices to, to connect and, um, and build community with one another. And we're just really excited to be a part of this movement. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Beth, for co-hosting with me. And uh, we'll be having another guest with us in just a little bit. So Mm -hmm. stay tuned for more stories. If you'd like to hear more of our stories, the complete She Breathes Soul Stories anthology is available on Amazon. Everyone has a story to tell. If you're ready to share yours, give me a call at the We Breathe Wellness Center in Walpole, Massachusetts at 508-343-7211 or send me an email at jenn at jenngulbrand.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Our next storyteller is Becky Bast, and her story is entitled, A Jumbled ADHD Path to Becoming a Declutterer. In her story, she shares her journey of an adult diagnosis and how it brought clarity into her life. We're so excited to have her here. Hello, Becky. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being had and and joining (laughs) us in the studio today. I'd love to be had by you yeah. anytime. <laughs> Always good to see you, Becky B. Right. Yeah, and just I just so everybody knows, get be prepared to laugh a lot for this episode. <laughs> no yeah. pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Becky, we're going to invite you to share some excerpts of your story with us today. I will accept the invitation. All right. Around twenty sixteen. I was a mom on the go, living the minivan mom bomb life. Ice coffee at the ready. Ideally, the perfect 90s hip-hop song on the radio. The kids happily chatting in the back seat. Maya 4, Jojo 2. What could be better? The whole day ahead of us to go to the park, go to some random play area. Hopefully I get to talk to other parents who are socially needy. Who can actually stay in the house all day? Sure, it's easier in some ways. Easier to keep track of two little ones and a dog and nap schedules to maintain. But I might lose my mind. Hold up. Cruising down the road, I did a double take rubbernecking, frothing at the mouth at the sight of that hideous little tyke's play structure on the side of the road. That must be hundreds of dollars, and it's free. I can entertain my kids and save my family money. I'm a freaking rock star. (laughs) I was kind of self-conscious that it was on the street where I grew up. My family might be horrified to see me stuffing this beast into my amazing yet crumb-ridden hardy minivan. Man, what a rush. I don't remember knowing what I wanted to do when I grew up. Being social, likable, having fun, and making others laugh came naturally to me. My academic family gave me the push, focus, and confidence to see what my talents were and which ones made sense for college and my future career. Since they had no chosen path, I shrugged and thought, okay, sure, that makes sense. 
trusting their suggestions. You have an interest in health, and you are good at communications, they said. I was told I was very creative and a great writer with a lot of potential if I only reworked my writing and edited it. The classic story about me is that when my first grade teacher asked me to redo an assignment, I told her, I only do things once. (laughs) (laughs) That that doesn't really seem like me because I'm a people pleaser, but the story was told multiple times, so it must be true. I shrugged again and decided to apply for the health communications degree while being an administrative assistant for a neurologist at Children's Hospital. 2012. When I got pregnant, I was told that I would need to be a working mom because I had a lot of social needs. At 2 a.m. one morning while I was on maternity leave, I woke up my husband and told him, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. My 90-minute commute from Franklin to Boston did not bring him joy, and my salary barely covered more than the cost of daycare. Since he worked closer to home, he knew he was going to be stuck doing more of the errands and pickups. I remember being nervous to tell my parents about my new stay-at-home mom status. They worked so hard to put me through a private, prestigious school and they were still paying it off years later. My mom was very chill and told me she just wanted me to have choices in life. I breathed a quick sigh of relief. Now to break the news to work. ADHD diagnosis. I think after college, I was wandering like a dandelion in the wind, trying hard to enjoy my life. My older sister said, you work so hard to be happy, but you're not. I think you should look into medication. I'm pretty sure I was in therapy at this point. I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression and went on Celexa. 2022. Fast forward 20 years when I read an article that many women were misdiagnosed with depression and anxiety but actually had ADHD. After balking at the idea of getting tested due to my what's-the-point attitude and financial concern, I found a realistic option. I took the TOVA test, also known as the most boring computer game ever, and I definitely scored high with ADHD. Those are my excerpts. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thanks. Um, I'm curious, what inspired you to share your deeper parts of your story, um, of your life, really, with us in this anthology? And don't say it was a constant stalking of Jen trying to get you to do it. <laughs> oh, I don't think you had. I don't think you had to. No, I know. I'm teasing you. Um, I just, <clears throat> I thought that would be fun to write someday, but what am I, I don't have a whole book in me, you know, what, I don't know. Like, that would be a cool, who, who actually can write a book? I'm like, that's impressive. That would be something to do someday. And then the opportunity kind of fell on, you know, the community's lap, thanks to you. And I'm not someone who overthinks, I overthink some stuff, like ridiculous things, like mm. renting tents for my daughter's bat mitzvah. But like, I think a lot of people would be like, ooh, that's scary. I don't want to write a story. Um, but I was like, why not? But th- and then I was trying to figure out what would that story be. Um, sure. And, you know, there was a lot of self-doubt. Oh, of my course. gosh. Poor Beth had to listen to me voxering about <laughs> all this all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I had I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot. What is, is my story important enough? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we lost my brother when I was pregnant with my daughter. And I was like, should I talk about that? But then that's very personal to my family. And so I thought this... Talking about my journey from stay-at-home mom to having my own decluttering business to figuring out the ADHD, a jumbled path, um, I thought that maybe would be more impactful for other people kind of having the same thing going on. And super relatable, right, to so many, probably so many of our listeners and and for the people who read the book, Mm -hmm. right? Right, yeah. Because I think this happens a lot, but 
maybe it isn't talked about as much as it, it could be mm-hmm. to open up some understanding around it. Yeah, there's a lot of women sure. who are being late. Or it seems like a lot of women um, have late diagnoses and are yeah. becoming um, – aware of it and it's kind of it changes mm. things and makes you wonder so yes absolutely. absolutely and i think a it doesn't present the same in women especially in young girls as right. it does in young boys um so i think that that's the first thing about it okay. and i think and you may know better than me uh, becky but i feel like you know maybe it was 30 years ago that they even just started to really be on to how much ADHD was showing up in kids and schools weren't prepared, right? They hadn't really done anything to help um, kids get through school with that. And they certainly didn't study girls, right? Because girls just didn't seem to fit the stereotype. So it's, I think it's not surprising, right? And it's not until now women are not just staying at home and raising kids and they're having jobs and they're doing things and i think now they're getting maybe hung up in the things that adhd can cause or bring or impact yeah so yeah and if you have anything different than that i want you to please share it because no i mean that's i i was kind of i was kind of the class clown so i think i might have presented some some of those maybe typical boy things but i think i knew when to stop you mm. know cuz you have the people pleaser and you want to have you know you want the teachers to like you and i was always afraid of getting in trouble um so so i only got in real trouble like in fourth grade when i stuffed a cupcake in my mouth mm. um <laughs> and the teacher pushed me against the lockers Ooh. And I found out that's she used to okay. live in my house. We had the same. Isn't that random? I know. Ooh, that's weird. That's weird. It is weird. But that's no lockers. Not in okay that you were pushed against a locker. P.S. I know. My parents were all over that. Yeah, yeah that was. Yeah, it was a bad. It was a bad situation. But so I didn't really get in too much trouble. Um, but yeah, it is. It is kind of uh, girls can kind of slip through the cracks. Um, you know, my parents were were trying to give give me like organizational planners and like all these sorts of tools and. But I think, um, I don't know, I remember Beth in the editing process kind of, I think you said something about a container. I don't know. Were you talking about a container or was I talking about a container? I don't know. But, like, they gave me, like, this container for, um, like, a structure that I think I needed. Mm -hmm. But then once I was, like, thrusted into the real world, I was like, whoa, this is a lot. Where's the structure? Yeah, this Um, is a lot. And I don't know if if it's connected to ADHD, but like to me, you're kind of a free spirit. You're yeah. kind of like a surfer girl or something. Like just really <laughs> I I kind of cool. laid back and rolling with the punches. And at the same time, you know, when when we're raising kids, as we all know about, you know, we, we feel like we're constantly redirecting them. Yeah, that's really great, but it's really. Why don't you try this over here? Or why don't you do this over here? And I would think, you know, as your parents, not knowing about ADHD, like, along with trying to redirect you maybe a little bit more than the average young girl, there's also that free spirit that gets kind of crushed crushed a little bit because of the redirection. So um, I just, I mean, you're such a performer, right? You, You love it. You love podcasts and you have a TV show and, you know, you've done some stand up comedy and you've you know, you're also a leader, right? You led groups for Pepper Lane, which is one of the places I met you. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, all these. I think she's in a band too, a girl band. A girl oh, yeah, band. just a little something, something. <laughs> right? And so I feel like you're like multi-talented. You have your hands in a bunch of different stuff. And I don't know that somebody else who maybe doesn't have ADHD wouldn't be able to juggle all those things. True. That's, yeah, it is. I think if you kind of think about all the things I've done, it is a little, um, it's a lot. It, it is a lot. And it, you're multidimensional. We're all multidimensional. There's many layers to us, right? That's mm-hmm. true. That's and true. I think we need to start accepting that about ourselves and one another because I think it's a beautiful thing. We're not just one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it is, it, it comes off to the outside. What is it? Uh, what do they say? Neurodiver- non-neurodivergent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. Like, that's. Yeah. I don't know. I think some people view it as, whoa, good for her. She's really rocking it. Other people are like, is she okay? <laughs> like, what is she doing now? <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are many people have said that about Jen. <laughs> is she okay? <laughs> that's right. I, yeah. I kind of I, I revel in it. I think it's good. Yeah. So I want to go a little deeper, if Ooh, that's okay. okay with sure, you. Sure, let's see what Ooh, we can go. do. So, All right. So... Because I love, I mean, I love you. I love this topic, and I think you, you've ri- you've written your story so beautifully and and shared it in a way that doesn't it doesn't feel heavy, it feels light. However, I assume, um, knowing what I know about some of these struggles, that it did feel heavy to you at times in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was that struggle like for you, and what was it like? kind of revealing it, coming to terms with it mm. for yourself and then talking to it about about it with other people. Mm. Because this whole this whole process of storytelling what what I think is so magical about it is it's opening up an opportunity or a container for us to share vulnerable parts of ourselves that we maybe would not have shared otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. So parts of us, layers of ourselves that maybe we've kept a little hidden or safe for a while or years, perhaps, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in some cases. And so I'm curious about what was it like for you, that that journey, that internal journey of becoming to terms with this for yourself? And Mm -hmm. then, I mean, look where it led you in the career that it led you. I think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I think, um, to be honest, I don't know, I I think how where I am is is can be a struggle every day, like, not even in the past. Like, I'm... I think every day is different in terms of, you know, my moods and my energy level, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, So some days I wake up, I always wake up like ready to go and just like, I'm excited to start my day, which is good. So it's not depression. Right. But the the energy and the emotional dysregulation, I feel like my family kind of sees it. You say surfer girl, which I think to the outside world, I think I can... Hey, yeah, I'm going to be in a band, but at home, it's just like, (laughs) whoa. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Because I think that we keep a lot of our pain in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And, um... And that's real, mm-hmm. and and it's okay, and 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 if we can let go of that sort of shame around mm-hmm. that, because guess what, you're not alone. Like how mm-hmm. many of us struggle with different, you know, challenges like this? Of, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's why I think there's so much power in talking about it, because it it will resonate for p- other people who are struggling, mm-hmm. and then they're going to be like, you know what, I I'm not the only one who struggles with this or or with that or this feeling of dysregulation or how do I, you know, mm. get everything done when I when I feel this way. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that we are encouraging people to talk about real stuff. Oh yeah. That that impacts all of us. And um and how can we learn from it and, and help other people I, through I, our stories. Yeah, I love I love the real conversations. I figured out with my, I'll get real deep with my therapist. 
Um, we're talking. This kind of makes me laugh. We're talking about holes. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I have a hole, and maybe a lot of people with mental stuff. I have a hole, and external feeds the hole. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to like be happy within myself and accept myself. Yes. So I think. But we're always looking externally yeah, for the validation. Like, yeah, validation, mm-hmm. external validation. Um, I mean, even I a few years ago, and it still happens now, if I don't show up on or happy or funny, I, like, used to beat the crap out of myself. And now I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Mm-hmm. You're, being, you're being real. Yeah, you're being real. Yeah. It may be boring. It's okay. Like, it's no one I, – yeah. I used to be worried that – People aren't going to want to be friends with me if I'm right. too boring, or you it's know a lot what I mean. Pressure. Yeah, it's a, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. So I, I think I, I maybe assume that people with ADHD, a big person, as they feel like they always have to be on, but sometimes you just don't mm. want to be. <laughs> you can't. You don't exactly. have an in you hide, right. and you're just like, no. <laughs> right. See, that's an important thing for people to understand, for listeners to understand, right? That sometimes that's how you feel, and and that's a pressure that's only right. going to feed more. Ick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like we we talked we talked uh, with one of our other guests about like sharing the the messages versus the mess. So it's like what is the message and what you've gone through and how can we all learn from that? Like that's an important thing for us to understand if, about somebody mm-hmm. who has ADHD is that sometimes you just can't be on, and and that expectation to have that of somebody isn't fair. Right. Right. So look at how uh, that simple understanding could shift a dynamic between people. Mm-hmm. So right. that's what this is all about. Absolutely. This learning, pulling out the learnings that, that we all have for one another. Yeah. Well, I would like to say that knowing Becky as long as I do, she's a very warm and kind and generous person, but also like a really incredible idea generator you know like she'd be like i'm gonna do this next or i'm gonna do that next or and she eventually (laughs) gets to those things and (laughs) does them if i don't forget i'll do it baby yeah Yeah. she does do them and so i really like that i mean how many people do you hear say oh i'd like to do something and they hesitate they don't act on it yeah because of fear I'm yeah. I'm grateful uh, mostly for the ADHD if that's part of why I have those characteristics because I think it allows for okay. I'll someone uh, you know posts on sharing what's up. I'm looking to do a girl band. Oh me, I don't have any talent, but that sounds awesome. Next thing you know, I'm in a band. Like I don't overthink. Oh Jen has a book. Okay, I'll just write a chapter. I'll just freak out and write it at start. You know, just not overthinking things. Just going for it. You don't have to be. You don't have to be like exactly. an expert writer to write a book. Right. You don't have to be an expert podcaster. You don't have to be well, talented to be in a band. You know, you just like, show up. Just show, I'm you show, show up. up. I show up. You yes. show up authentically as yourself, and you give, and that's received by people, and it's a gift. And um, I mean, I too, I appreciate and respect you so much. I love being in your energy. Mm. You, you just are. You have. You bring light to to a room, to a conversation, to to mm. our community, and and we're, we we just love having you be a part of this and this project for yeah. sure. And your appreciate story it. was so interesting. You know, they were all so different, but it was again we learned things about one another that maybe we didn't know yeah. before, and that's. The magic of all right. of this, I think, for sure. Yeah. Talk about how cool is it that you took something like this experience and you created a career around helping people be organized and clearing right. out the clutter and talk a mm-hmm. little bit about that yeah. that dynamic and how your own experiences helped you to be so successful in this business. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy because I'm not the organized one in the family. So my sister is like super organized. Um, but just that's another thing. You know, I realized that this is fun for me. I felt the relief. So I just went for it. I'm like, okay, let's see if my friends want to pay, you know, want me to do this. And then let's turn this into a business. So just see what happens. You know, I have, because I'm a stay at home mom and my husband, um, you know, works really hard. I have the, the freedom to make, you know, make some of these choices. Um, I don't know if it was like just me creating a business and relying on my income, how this, you know, this flexibility that would, that would go. Um, but yeah, it's just I just went for it. I realized the joy. And I think when people I think one of my superpowers is coming into people's house, even if I don't know them and just feeling like part of the family. <laughs> I <Yes>. love that. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people who are like more naturally organized, but I make people feel comfortable. I meet them where they are. Really I don't important. judge them. They see my hairs all disheveled. They're probably like, oh, this is not going to be hard. <laughs> They're not like, oh, this isn't this is an intimidating you're, character. Right. You're super approachable. Approachable, warm. warm. Yeah. I mean, I would like to have, like, I think they'll see me, you might see me on my um, website, like dancing, like, it's a lot to focus. Like, I can't really chit chat with you that much and, and do that. So I don't know if they expect like a clown to come out and have like a party dance party. Mm. Oh, I love it. You know, I'm like decluttering and they're trying to chit chat. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. Um, so I think I just, you know, I feel comfortable, but I, I, I want to inspire people to figure out what makes them tick mm. and test it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Just go for it and try something. You know, just ask your friends, hey, can I go in your basement and, like, organize it? I'm, I've realized I really have this, you know, joy doing that. Can I Can I see how that goes? And the right people will support you. Did, were you going to ask a question? Well, about- yeah. So I know, Becky, we went back and forth about how we were going to tell your story and, um, you know, really wanting you to be comfortable with what you were saying about certain situations. And I guess now that you've done it and you've read it out loud and your family and friends have heard it and been exposed to it, A, how are you feeling about <laughs> releasing that? Yeah, and B, that's what question. kind of responses or feedback have you gotten from anybody? Oh, boy, this is loaded. Um, <laughs> give us one word. How do you, yeah, like in terms of how did you feel about the release of, of it first? Like, give us one word. One word? Yeah. Like, what is, did it, how did it make you feel once you got it, got it out, you read it, you released it? I think uh, doing the reading and having it out was, was liberating. Yeah. There's a good word. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very liberating. I think it was liberating. Um, I just, yeah, I'm just weird about, like, I was just weird about the whole thing. You know, I was just weird. Were you concerned about people's reactions? You're not alone. You were concerned about how people would react to it, right? Yeah, but like people like would read it and then not tell me they read it and give me feedback. And I was like, what is that? That's so weird. Like, do you not like it? But like some people were like, I already knew your story. It was fine. I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, you know, I just, I I expect a lot from people. Ah, I was just going to say, I'm tough. No, 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 no. I want to, I'm going (laughs) to resonate and share. Yeah. That expectation word, right? Mm-hmm. I had a very Ugh. similar experience when I wrote my book, and I was like, the people that you really want that aff- that yeah. confirmation yeah. from, those expectations that we have, that, and you're waiting, mm-hmm. and you're waiting, and you don't get it, and then you feel disappointed. It's, it, trust me, I've been there. And then you remind yourself, well, I'm not doing this for them. I'm writing this story to fill that hole mm. in my heart about who I am. And it doesn't matter when anyone else 
thinks mm-hmm. or says or how they respond. And that's where the liberation comes mm. in, right? Right, right. That sort of acknowledgement. I had the same experience. Um and then, of course, you get all kinds of feedback from other people, but those aren't the people that you're really, like, longing for that, mm. like, tell me I did good, right? Yeah, yeah, tell me that well. Tell me it was awesome. Yeah, it's like, so I just want something, but, but yeah, yeah but it, it it's That's expectations. They're the root of all evil. Ugh, I think, they stink. I think somebody said that. Oh, they somebody so famous. are. But I love that you chose the word liberating because I, I think that's a big part of this process. And we were talking earlier um, about it's not just the writing of the story and releasing it that way, but it's the sharing it verbally that it's almost like you're proclaiming, you you know, this is my truth. This is who I am. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with who I am and mm-hmm. I'm going to, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mm-hmm. show up authentically and this is... You know, it doesn't define me. These are things that I've experienced, how they shaped me, and then how I'm processing and becoming who I am today mm. in this moment. Yeah, so it was great to be part of the community. Just the yeah. smaller reading that you had and then the, the reading to the public, that was really made me proud to be part of the group. You know, I just kind of do stuff. I'm like, yeah, we'll see what happens. But then once you like show up to these things, you're like, whoa, this yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, this is pretty cool. It was. We got to do more cool. of that. We've got to do more readings and bring in more storytellers. Mm-hmm. So on that note, what would you say to somebody who might be considering um, joining this movement with us and um, joining a, a, a writing circle, getting involved in another anthology or part of our, our program going forward? What would you say? If you've had any desire to to write, to share your writing, just go for it. There's just no – just you, you'll get the support. You'll get the experience. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to do this. You did all the, you guys did all the work. You know, I just showed up at Starbucks and wrote my story and then tried not to overanalyze it. But you guys did, you made it easy and fun. And I don't know, it's it's just a, it's huge experience and totally worth jumping in. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. There's no, you don't really have much to lose, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? I don't know. No, right? No. I don't think so. No, go for it. It's, the, it's, it's all a cool up, it's experience. All up, it's all up from here. Exactly. Exactly. So good. Well, we were really happy that you joined us and that you were part of the community or are part of our community because it's it will it's ever evolving and we'll be planning a lot more opportunities for people to come and share the stories in the book and also just their stories in general mm. because we feel that we're seeing a real benefit to to our doing this um, mm. with one another and for one another. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for giving the opportunities yeah. you give us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. And listeners, we'll be back with another story in just a few moments. So stay with us. Thanks, Becky. Thank you. Good times. If you'd like to hear more of our stories, the complete She Breathes Soul Stories anthology is available on Amazon. Everyone has a story to tell. If you're ready to share yours, give me a call at the We Breathe Wellness Center in Walpole, Massachusetts at 508-343-7211 or send me an email at jenn at jenngulbrand.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Welcome back. Our final storyteller of the day is Robin Marquez. Her story is titled, What the Hell? Why Can't We All Be Well? 
Robin is a two-time cancer survivor and a physical therapist who dedicates her practice to supporting other women through their health journey. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. It's so good to have you here on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. We'd love to have you start with uh, reading an excerpt from your book, or from your story, I should say. My pleasure. Here I go. My story, like many others, is one of pain to purpose. It started with my own breast cancer journey in 2005. I was happily married, 42 years old, with four children under the age of seven when I was diagnosed with stage two invasive breast cancer. I was a busy working mother and I thought I was in good physical shape. So you can imagine my surprise when I was in the shower one day and happened to find a palpable lump in the size of a chickpea. I underwent the traditional allopathic treatment model, chemotherapy, surgery, and removal of several lymph nodes, bilateral mastectomies, tissue expanders, and later reconstruction with silicone gel breast implants. My cancer was estrogen sensitive, so I was put on tamoxifen, a hormone therapy estrogen blocker. Then COVID-19 hit in full swing, and I was forced to close my oncology practice for nine months. This was a blessing for me. Perhaps it was the universe allowing me time, space, and energy to address my own health needs as I had been ignoring for years, now while putting everybody else's first. During this time, I had the opportunity to travel to Hope for Cancer in Tijuana, Mexico. I went with one of my clients as her caregiver. I read somewhere that successful people have several things in common. Among them, they trust their intuition, have patience and faith, and take action. I started to keep a journal my first trip to Mexico and wrote down anything that came to mind that felt good that I could see myself doing. Well, no surprise, a major theme emerged around my passion for helping others, particularly educating women about alternative screening and treatment options to biohack the body, activate energy pathways and systems to either upregulate or downregulate DNA genes to work efficiently and to achieve optimal health. I kept at it, searching for ideas of what that might look like. Then one day I found myself flying in first class with the entire row empty and my client Dorothy sitting across from me in the aisle in her own row that was empty. As a matter of fact, there were only 25 people, including the flight attendants, on our flight heading to Mexico. It was surreal. It was then that I noticed the expression on her face, one of great sadness and despair. I also noticed above her masked face a small tear in the corner of her eye. I asked Dorothy, what's wrong? She looked at me with great intensity and asked, why can't we all be well? Being vulnerable with my patients was somehow admitting I had failed at managing my own cancer. It was like going to a trainer who doesn't work out. I thought, who would want to go to a cancer coach with cancer? What I realized, it was the exact opposite. I merely shared that I did things completely different the second time around, and I was able to find treatments to put my cancer back into remission without side effects. I didn't lose my hair. I didn't have to undergo additional surgeries or take pharmaceuticals to manage my pain. I let them know that there were multiple ways to improve their health and at the same time feel good, keep working, and do the things that they love. I've always felt a sense of urgency to share my learned wisdom with other women about alternative screening options like thermography, especially for women with dense breasts. I'm so passionate about this because I believe this is what saved my life, detecting my cancer the second time when it was in the earliest stages and had only spread locally to the lymph nodes and thyroid, rather than waiting for additional tumors to develop or taking biopsies and risking the spread of cancer. 
I started listening to my own intuition, telling me what my body was, re what my body really needed, and what was not serving me. I was then able to let go of all of the roles I thought I had to play and the limiting beliefs I held about my own guilt and self-worth as a woman. It was about feeling comfortable in my own body. Being a woman is not about the sum of your body parts. There are many women who have beautiful, imperfect bodies with all the working parts, but feel completely disassociated with their bodies, energy, and inner wisdom. I now realize that I'm maintaining good health, that maintaining good health is a choice in a lifetime process. It changes as we age and become more connected to our inner wisdom, and we are better able to find the answers within if we slow down, get quiet, and listen to the messages that our body is sending. I stand for the possibility of divine intuition, health, love for all, which brings me back to my friend's question, what I have thought about for years. Why can't we all be well? Robin, that's beautiful. Mm. You are such an inspiring person, um, and that story is is just so inspiring. And you know, those of us who know you well know how selflessly you dedicate your life to other people and helping them to be well and to support them on their journey. So I just want to, as a side note, recognize and thank you for that. Um, you. you really are an extraordinary human being. Um, I wanted to ask you, it, how did sharing your story in this way, through this book, not only writing it, but reading it now out loud a few times, help you reclaim power over your own narrative? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think for me it was really hard because I put myself in a role of being someone that heals people from breast cancer and having gone through the journey myself the first time. I thought I had kind of mastered that, and uh, only to find out that I hadn't. And yeah. uh, so I felt like I was living um, kind of a dual role, that I was um, helping others master their you know, um, cancer, but yet not completely uh, solving and resolving my own uh, intuition, my own feelings, uh, and my own uh, inner soul, because uh, it was not complete the first time around at all. I did not address the spiritual or the mental aspects of the um, cause of why I got cancer in the first place, I think. Yeah. So mm -hmm. sort of the unraveling of that story helped you to kind of come full circle and, and have that awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we oftentimes ask, um, you know, why? Why? A lot of women say, you know, may say to God, may say to whoever, um, you know, why? Why me? Why did this happen? Why all of that? And um, not only, you know, do, should we ask why, but maybe like... Um, who the things that I pondered and what came across for me was um, I asked myself some questions and, and reflection um, about maybe who did not serve me, who perhaps hurt me in my life. Mm. And then I came back and mm. said, hmm, okay, I had to think about that. And then I thought about, well, um, who helped me in my life and who helped me master some of these things uh, in my journey to healing and um you know, I, I looked for that. And then how I could forgive. I think that was a big Isn't part that, that's of the so healing huge. journey. So huge. Yeah. I, it's a big part of it. And, 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 and coming to terms with your, your letting, story. Letting mm. it go. Yeah. Letting the peace go. Um, right. Any resentments for anybody. Could be, you know, childhood stuff. You don't even, like, it may mm. not even be in your conscious mind in all the beginning. That, all that mm. unresolved trauma and pain that we Absolutely. carry in our in our physical bodies. Mm. That and, we don't even yep. sometimes learn to unravel. And yep. there's so many people that don't 
look at that. And the first time around, I looked at the physical part of healing right. and what that involves and going through the surgeries and going through all of that, but not really the spiritual piece of it. Mm. And I think that's so important that women um, be mindful of that. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I also think for many people who have that same sort of situation that when you can turn around and help other people, you appear strong, right? Yeah even though that's a front for whatever it is that hasn't been adjust, you know, dealt with and um, things that we haven't healed from. Uh, one of the things, just listening to you read, this is so interesting for me because as the editor, I was so much the editor and how are we forming this story. So it's really great for me to hear people read their excerpts now. There's so many spots here where it's like, I was in good physical shape, I was surprised to get cancer or, uh, you know, I would, wouldn't I be looking like a failure if my patients saw me with cancer and this mm-hmm. connection of it being a weakness. We were talking to Telma about something similar yeah. in the first uh, interview that we did about how we expect our bodies to serve us and not be broken. And well, I do X, Y, and Z. And so, of course, you know, what are people going to think that I got this? Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like that judgment. Sometimes piece, that it's not shame. what you think causes yeah. it. Or, yeah. right, we have these stigmas about right. how certain people look and act and their habits and behaviors and that they're going to have, oh, they're definitely going to have diabetes yeah. or they're going to have this. And, um, oh, they smoke their whole life. They're going to have cancer. That's not always what happens, right? And there's... I mean, I think of our lives as, you know, when we're born, uh, our bodies are like we are renting a car. You know, yeah. It's a car rental. And mm, so, true. you know, it's how you take care of that car, how long it's going to last you. Or your house. You it. It's your house. <laughs> and, you know, I just wasn't putting in the self-care. I was giving it to everybody else. I had four young children mm-hmm. uh, the first time around, and it was all about their emotional mm-hmm. needs and my husband's. Um, and it was very little about my own. And that's what I really discovered was mm. that, you know, you've got to put that self-care in there. Yeah. Because if you don't, just like, you know, a car, it's going to depreciate. But right. the amount of miles that you get out of it is what you put into it. And if right. you're not changing the oil and you're not doing the tune-ups accordingly, you're right. not doing the self-love, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to get the same yeah. knowledge and can you share with our audience, um, our listeners, what you currently do for self care? I mean, you don't have to give the whole routine, mm-hmm. but just how do you? Absolutely. How do you? What is? How's that changed for you? My routine now in the morning before I go to work, um, a lot of meditation, prayer. Um, I have a whole detox program that I go through. I do meal preps, you know, to get it ready, and then I work on a vibrational board. And this is before I go to work in the morning uh, and after I do, you know, um, my chores around the house. But um, that's how I start my she day. She gets up at 3 a.m. like me. <laughs> that's how I start my day. <laughs> but, I mean, I wasn't including all that right. stuff, you know, and mm. it's just so important. It's like giving yourself the space and grace. That's what I say. Yeah. You have to give yourself the space and grace to, to nourish yourself because otherwise it's all going out. And then you start to feel depleted and resentful and yeah. sick. We get dis-eased. We get sick. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, so, so true. I think that um, staying on the whole taking care of your car thing, yeah. you know, many times you see people who don't take care of their car, don't change the oil regularly. And yeah. then when it starts to act up, they're like, oh, I'm going to start to maintain this. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens in life. We get to like our 40s, maybe. Yeah. And we're like, oh, I have this ache. I have this pain. I have high blood pressure. I have this. I have that. And it's like you could have been taking care of yourself all this time. And 
I think the confusion over self-care is that for many people it's, I get a facial, I get right. a massage, I go out with my girlfriend. And not that that's not good for you in right. replenishing things, but taking care of ourselves is maintenance. And sometimes, yes, it is work and it does take time, but... And it's all not always fun. Sometimes you have to get give up things that you like, like red wine and coffee. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes you have to let other people down and say, no, I yeah. need some... Alone. For me, I yes. need some alone time. Exactly. That's what I don't get, you know? Oh, and that's too. so important to decompress mm-hmm. and, and to and do that. And set those boundaries, girls. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's a hard thing for those of us who are in these roles of care and taking. sometimes it's saying, no, I can't yeah. do it. I have, I'm, I've got something else that I'm going to do for myself. Right. Yeah. Right? right. And maybe it's just walking the dog. Maybe it's yeah. getting that little oxytocin boost during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something as simple as that. Walking the dog, you know, a little hug, a kiss or something, you know, one of your kids, your yep. spouse. Um, all of that is so important. A big part of it is knowing yourself well enough to know what is going to nourish you and feed you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because to your point, Beth, you know, some of the things we automatically go to as replenishing us are, are, you know, they're great, but what's going to really give you that, um, that restoration that you need mind, body, and spirit. And that Mm. might be, like you say, quiet time or walk in the woods. For me, yeah. Praying. I love to hike. So for me, being in nature, being outside, Mm. um, is ideal. And, you know, I only want to encourage people to do that as much because, I mean, you are getting that vibration, you know, outside. You're getting the sunlight. You're getting mm. all of it. You're getting Not the lately. grounding. It's been so gray here. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in the good weather. Yeah. But um, it, there's so much that we get from being outside. And there's so much that we no longer do outside. Right. We are inside so much, so much of the day. And we are sitting and we are just so disassociated from all the normal healing that really is basic. Yeah. Sunlight. Sunlight. You know, vibrational mm-hmm. forces, nature, the aroma Grounding that we get the from, the, yeah. from the plants and the trees just being in the right. woods. I mean, that is actually so healing it, for it us. It really is. We're going back to those healing modalities now, the light, mm-hmm. the frequency. Yeah. Um, Vibration. It. It's so good for yeah. people. And Absolutely. it's so easy and it's free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the things I wanted to, to just talk about a little bit because, you know, we're talking a lot on this show about storytelling and the power of it, mm-hmm. not only writing our stories, which is a big deal, but then sharing them out loud with one another, which is, takes you to a whole nother level. And the fact that it really is like a catalyst for empathy, compassion, connection, community, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about that in your own practice and how how much credibility you bring to those conversations with your clients, right? And your yeah. and your patients around that you can actually you you can be in their shoes because you've been in their shoes and you can, you know, mm-hmm. by sharing your experience, your journey, how that unfolded for you and then what you how you shifted it. That's like amazing yeah. for but your right? it is it is so it was so challenging for me because in the beginning I just I had that self-doubt, oh, what are they going to think, you know, or if, if, if I don't have this handled, I don't have this covered, you know, I mean, how can I be advising them? But it was the exact opposite. Yeah. Being honest with them actually brought the authenticity to it, um, you know, the empathy, all of that was there. But um, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that somebody ever gave me was like, don't, um, don't take the advice from somebody that has not walked in those shoes, that has yes. not done that journey, mm-hmm. that has not done what you or gone where you want to go. 
because that is so important. And when I look at that and I think about what people would, what I was thinking they would have thought of me, um, that was my own self. Oh, yeah. Those limiting beliefs. Sure. Self-talk. But that means the people that have been there, that have done it, that have done the journey, done the hard work, they're going to be your strongest cheerleaders. They're the ones that are going to reach out and pull you and take you to the next level. Right. um, Because they know what it takes to get to the next level. And they... um, They'll help you in any way that they can. And I feel like I'm in that position to help people now because cause I've been there. Mm. And that and that act of sharing your experiences just strengthens that connection and their trust and faith in you as somebody that can help them. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's really... Yeah. And I think, you know, again, going back to how what we do and what we think as women is that, you know, we get something. It's like, oh my God, I have cancer. What are people going to think? Right. I'm going to be, be weak or that I must, victim. Yeah, yeah. Instead of thinking about how do I want to navigate this, right? Because things are going to happen. You cannot prevent things from happening. But then it's how do you handle them? Yeah. Who do you go to? Do you find someone who has been through it yeah. and can tell you this is what worked for me? This is what will work for you. Or do you just get caught up in the fact that you have this thing, right? And what will people think? Yeah, that that fear, that fear can just be mm. absolutely cra- and I, and soul I crushing. Come to see I, me. It's like you don't have to do things the way I did it. I just want to show you that there's other ways, and it, it's up to you to resonate what feels good for you, right? Because um, it's not about following a recipe about right. what to right. do. Uh, this way is better. That way is better. Some people like to do alternative healthcare options. Other people, you know, go to, you know the traditional allopathic, and then I have people that do hybrid. They want to combine it, and there's nothing wrong with any one of those. Right. Things. Right. I mean, they're all good. Um, it's just finding what's best for them, and but what, letting them know that there are other options. You, you know, I believe you can't make an informed decision until you have all your options. Oh, right. so true. Yeah, yeah, and it's like what feels most in alignment mm-hmm. for your soul and your yeah. I, I just had a thought about how you know we've talked about how things make us feel weak or they make us feel, you know, like we're sick. And really, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, it's a sign that there's an imbalance, right, or yeah. a misalignment that sure. we just have not been paying attention to because we're not paying attention to ourselves. Right. right. So, yeah. Just stuffing it all down there and not looking at it, not facing it, mm-hmm. not feeling it. Just pushing through and pushing ignoring through. a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. your body is there to give yeah. you signals. It constantly will give you signals. It will start off softly and it will get louder and louder. And then it will start pounding you over the head until you really realize <laughs> it because much. that's what it takes sometimes. Well, I, I talk about that a lot with the somatics therapy I yeah. do. Like everyone thinks we can solve everything in our beautiful brains, but that's like 20% of it. Like 80% of it's actually in our our physical tissues. and our tissues and our yeah. and our energy body and mm-hmm. you know you can only have so many piles of rocks in there before something's gonna fall yeah and right and Absolutely. so but they are, our bodies carry so much wisdom and you're right we just have to listen you know looking back on this experience of being a part of this when we first invited you to to join the project to write your story and then to share it with other people um you know what was give, give me one word in terms of like what that what what did that leave you with what what sort of emotion or feeling did you have after sort of completing this phase of our project together think just uh, strengthened, I guess my word would be empowerment. Yeah. Empowered me. Mm. Yeah, empowered. Yeah. Right? 
Right. Um, you know, and telling my story and doing that, um, it just, I mean, I think in my mind, I kind of knew it, but it just kind of was a refresher about how important it is to just share um, what I've gone through, because I do think other people can, um, you know, have they can hear parts of it and maybe um, resonate with certain parts, you know, depending on where they are, if they know somebody that's had cancer, or if they've gone through it personally themselves. And just know that, um, you know, the healing journey is not something that's just done. I mean, you, you're constantly oh, yeah. healing. I mean, it's your life is, a, process. Is, an eff- is an effort to, you know, continue yeah. to, to main it good, maintain good health. Once you've achieved it, it doesn't just mm. stay by itself. I mean, you've got to, you know, got to work on it. Um, and I think I look at it now as a privilege to, to work on my health and not as a burden and not as something I have to do. Oh, that's and a there's good a perspective. Big, there's a very big difference with that. I don't have to hydrate every day. I choose to give my body water mm-hmm. and I choose to meditate and I choose to pray because I know it helps strengthen mm-hmm. me spiritually and emotionally. And that's what helps give my body strength. Um, so it's just how you look at it and your mindset is so big. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful, that. beautiful, beautiful message. And such an important one that we all need to to hear and to um, put into practice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Everything's about mindset. Mm. Everything. Um, what a great reminder! Thank you so much for being a part of the of the Soul Stories mm. book, of the project, of our inner community. I think we're just getting started, and we um, we're looking for other people who want to be a part of this, to join this movement, um, yeah. to accept our invitation to to join us, to to mm. share their stories, to write their stories, to connect with other people because it really does make a difference. Absolutely, makes mm. a difference in Absolutely. the lives of so many. So thank you. You're welcome. I d- so if you don't know Dr. Robin Marquez, look her up, and um, and the name of your center is. Circle of Wellness for Women, and we're located in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Nice. A wealth of knowledge for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Beth, for co-hosting with me today. What a fun afternoon we had. It was fun. It was beautiful. And thank you to our listeners. If you are interested in learning more about our book, The She Breeze Soul Stories, you can find it on Amazon. And if you want to be one of our storytellers, reach out to me at jen at jengulburn.com. We look forward to future episodes and more stories. Mm-hmm.